Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Welcome to Cat Talk Radio. We've got a big show today. We're talking about cat nutrition. We have a lot of material to cover, so we're going to just jump right into it. If you want to follow along, I will be uh, posting lots of links to resources on where you can buy some of the products we'll be talking about and, and some of the scientific data research. So go to Facebook and look for us not under Cat Talk Radio, but as Cat Behavior Solutions, because Cat Talk Radio is an outreach program of Cat Behavior Solutions. And on Facebook there, you can follow along live during the show. And I'm going to jump right into our Cat of the Week. Cat of the Week is a very special girl named Nobu. She's a Bengal princess. She belongs to a very, very dear friend of mine. And Nobu is extremely smart, uh, like the breed is known to be. And her mom's taught her some great behaviors. She knows how to sit in the lap and come when she's called and all kinds of great things. And true to cat and particularly Bengal form, she can be a bit moody to new people, but she loves her mom and dad to death. So check us out on Facebook and look for the beautiful Nobu. You also might have seen her before. I post her occasionally with her, with her nail cap covers on. She's such a stunning model. And if you'd like to have your cat considered for Cat of the Week, email your photos to me at molly at cattalkradio.com. Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to the show. Thank you for tuning in. This is Dewey, and um, I am the co-host with Molly. And uh, I would like to say that we are going to be talking about something very interesting and something everybody should know, which is cat nutrition. Uh, what should you really feed your cat, and why? You know, you got to ask yourself, why do I got to feed this? All of this stuff. You go to the store and you see all of these things hanging on the wall and hanging up uh, out there, and you want to know. Which one to feed your cats? Why should we, this is question to Molly, why should we be concerned about what we feed our cats? Well, from a behavioral standpoint, food is a vital tool in stabilizing our mood and energy levels and maintaining overall health. You know, a a pet's food can contribute to its behavior, particularly aggression, And uh, chewing is another thing that food plays a a really big behavioral component for, and even litter box issues with constipation and diarrhea. Cats are carnivores, and dogs are too. So can't we just feed them the same foods? Can you just put down a big bone and both of them chew on it and call it a day? (laughs) Well, our kitties might love that, but they are different kinds of carnivores. So cats are what they call obligate carnivores, and canines are carnivores. So they both are technically carnivores, means that they're they're meat eaters, but the distinction is that the definition of an obligate carnivore is an animal that must eat meat in order to survive. 
So the meat is biologically essential for survival because the cats don't possess the physiology to digest vegetable matter, whereas dogs are scavenging carnivores. But with a cat, you know, and it, the very small amount of grains that they get in the wild from eating mice and rabbits and poultry are already digested by the prey's enzymes, and that's important. But carnivores like dogs are primarily meat eaters, but they can survive on plant material alone if necessary, but a cat can't. No, you can't feed. I think Dewey, we've lost Dewey in there, and uh, he oh, just no, passed he, Here me. I am. Here I am. Okay. Did, did you not turn your mute button off again? Uh, yeah, that was it. I was muted. <laughs> so that seems okay. like a simple gonna, conversation, uh, you know? You are fired. You yeah. are so fired. If I you would like to be my co-host, on, <laughs> if you'd like to be my co-host on Cat Talk Radio, just send your resume to molly at cattalkradio.com. <laughs> and I'll interview <laughs> so it so, seems real simple, right? You know, cats uh, can survive on grasses and dogs can survive on meats. And, you know, why can't we just feed uh, the cats meats? Well, you got that bass backwards because dogs can survive on grasses, but cats have to have meat to survive no grass. Ah, but you I can't. See. Maybe you had your, like, audio mute button on two there for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so to answer your question, you can't like. I, I'm like learning asking, also. That's why I'm on the show. Oh, I'm learning also. Well, this, I'm learning to be a co-host on the job training. Don't you love it? <laughs> mm-hmm. you, you can't. You can't just give your cats like chicken breasts because they have a high requirement for taurine which is found in animal flesh, but it's not just the meat. It's also found in the bones and organs. And they need all kinds of different nutrition that comes from the whole carcass, things like arginine and tryptophan. Both of those are amino acids, by the way. Tryptophan is really important because it's the thing that creates niacin, which is key in regulating serotonin. And it's the serotonin that regulates the cat's mood. It regulates its Sleep also, it regulates its arousal and sensitivity to pain and stimuli. So real, real important in in having a cat without behavior issues to make sure that it's getting the amino acids. So no, you can't just feed them meat if you're going to, it really kind of has to be the whole carcass. And there's other things they get from the carcass like uh, vitamin A, you know, Humans and dogs can make vitamin A from beta-carotene, but cats can't. So it's important. It's not just me. I'm not, I'm not saying that. Wow. Okay. Okay. I think I'm getting it down, and I realize I'm just being educated like everyone else here, but I just need to and make sure I'm saying it right. you found your unmute button. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. That's the first part of the OJT. <laughs> <laughs> So can we just feed dry food then to take care of all this? Oh, boy. I was hoping you wouldn't ask that because I'm going to become really unpopular right now. I'm going to go out on a limb here and take a firm stance against dry food. Do not feed your cats dry food. Really? Why is that? I have three main reasons. Reason number one. 
the water content is just too low, and it keeps your cats dehydrating, dehydrated, <laughs> which exposes your cat to serious, life-threatening urinary tract diseases. You know, that's painful and often fatal and definitely very expensive to treat urethral obstructions. Dry food is only about 5 to 10% water content. And when cats eat in the wild, their normal prey, like, you know, mice and birds and rabbits, that prey has 70 to 75% water content. So if you couple that with a cat's genetically programmed low thirst drive, it's just a recipe for disaster. It's absolutely critical for your cat to ingest a water-rich diet. You know, when you combine all the sources of water that a cat intakes in a day, and that's everything they get in their dry food diet and what they drink outside of their diet, then a dry food cat, dry food fed cat, consumes about half the amount of water when compared to a cat eating canned food. And what that means is you're keeping that cat mildly dehydrated its whole life and you're almost certain destined for renal issues. Now, the second reason is the carbohydrate load is too high. So also note that low-carb dry foods are not healthy diets since they're still water depleted and they're harshly cooked, which results in nutrient loss and nutrient alteration. And carbs wreak havoc on a cat's blood sugar and insulin balance, and that predisposes them to diabetes. And also note that grain-free doesn't always mean low-carb, since potatoes and peas are often used instead of grains. And the third reason is dry food protein is just the wrong type of protein. It's too high in plant-based versus animal-based proteins. Proteins derived from animal tissues have a complete amino acid profile, which we just talked a little bit about. But because plant proteins are cheaper than meat proteins, pet food companies have a much higher profit margin if they use those like corn and wheat and soy and rice and things like that. And then some other negative things about dry food, if all of that wasn't enough to convince you, is they are very likely to be exposed to bacterial contamination, which can lead to vomiting and diarrhea in your cat. There's all kinds of fungal mycotoxins um, contained in grains, and those are extremely toxic to cats. Insects get in them, little microscopic insects and their feces, which can cause respiratory problems in your cat. And there's ingredients that often cause allergic reactions in your cat. And besides that, all dry food is harshly cooked, and it destroys and alters the vital nutrients that might have been in those ingredients in the first place. Wow, that's a lot to take note of. I mean, that's really a lot of good information and a lot of in-depth information that uh, I sure wouldn't have known. I always thought you fed the cats dry food to keep their teeth clean. Isn't that what you do? No, I hear that all the time, but contrary to popular myth, dry food has had no beneficial effect on dental health. There is absolutely no scientific data out there that proves that it helps keeping teeth clean because a cat doesn't chew a lot 
it often swallows whole. And then even if they chew it, dry food's brittle and it just shatters. And so it doesn't really provide any abrasive force against the teeth. So no, that that's BS factor there. <laughs> but what if somebody is already feeding dry food and their cat is doing just fine on it? So it's so much easier to get a scoop and take a scoop of dry food and put it in the bowl and keep that filled up all the time. The cat's fed. What about that? Well, every cat's fine until it shows outward signs of disease. You know, everything's fine until it's not. Every cancer patient was fine until their tumor grew large enough that clinical signs were observed. You know, every cat with a blocked urinary tract was fine until they started to strain to urinate. You know, the point is that diseases brew long before being noticed by the animal or even as us in humans. You know, nutrition plays such an important role in disease prevention for, for all of us living beings. Isn't that something? Um, but let's talk about the expense. Isn't it more expensive than feeding dry food to, to feed wet food? Well, I often hear that, too. I hear a lot of people say, gosh, I really just can't afford to feed my cats canned food. It's too expensive. But if you consider the cost to treat the illnesses that arise from feeding dry food, it's, you know, pay me now, pay me later. You've you got to rethink, you know, this issue when you receive your vet bill for urinary tract obstructions. You know, uh, keep in mind, people, that the cheapest canned food you can get is way better than any dry food available on the market. You know, I have often listened to you as you're having your conversations and speaking engagements in places, and I have often heard people say to you, um, canned food is, makes their cat fat. Is that, is that a true or is that a myth bust? No, canned cat food doesn't make your cat fat. Dry cat food can make your cat fat for the, the reasons I listed earlier. It's high, high carb load in it, and it's the carbs that lead to obesity, just like with us. You know, if I was going to eat macaroni and cheese all day, which I would love to do, along with goldfish crackers, then, you know, that's why we <laughs> yes, the lead to obesity. <laughs> or should I say more obesity, <laughs> But no, I'm you're not perfect. Saying, well, thank you, my love. <laughs> I'm not saying that all canned cat foods are low in carbs, though. Well, let me ask you this. Are there foods that are better than others in the canned food world? Yeah, absolutely. And, and here's kind of, you know, what what you should look for. And this isn't as easy as it sounds, but I'm going to kind of give you the rule of thumb to go by here. So for healthy cats, you want to pick canned foods that are below 10% calories from carbohydrates, 40% or more calories from protein, and about 50% calories, fat calories or less. And we're going to, we're going to post a link to uh, an excellent resource that shows all different brands of cat food and, um, and, and their, you know, it'll show their protein and their fat carbo and their carbohydrate content and, uh, and those kinds of things and fat calories. And I think our internet is out here in the building. So that may not get posted today, but, um, check back if you're listening live and, and if you're listening 
to this uh, in podcast form, check out our Facebook page, and uh, and it'll be there. That's that's good. Yes, and I hope everybody does tune back into that. I wanted to ask about ingredients. You were mentioning a lot of different ingredients there. What ingredients, uh, if any, are bad ingredients we should be looking out for when we're reading the catsup cans? Mm, good question. Okay, there's a couple. I'm, I definitely want to talk about liver. Liver's good for cats, but not too much because it's really high in vitamin A and D, which your cat can overdose on. Um, liver shouldn't really represent, it should represent less than 5% of a cat's natural diet. But, you know, again, liver is cheap, which is why it often appears as the, as the first on the ingredient list. And people think, oh, chicken liver, so that's got to be really good for my cat. Or, you know, Thanksgiving, you take the liver out of the turkey and, and you, and you give it to the cat. It's, it's not great because you don't want too much vitamin A and D in there. And I don't feed fish for five reasons. Um, fish has a, a high allergy potential. A lot of cats get skin issues, irritable bowel disease, maybe even asthma from, from fish. And it's, it's high in toxins and mercury contamination. And it, fish also has a lot of PVDEs, which is fire retardant chemicals. And those are poten- potential thyroid disruptors. Um, lots of cats with thyroid issues links back to fire retardant chemicals. Fish is also high in phosphorus and magnesium, which is bad for your cat. Not to mention it's highly addictive. You know, sometimes the cat just won't eat anything else but fish. And, and you should limit, if you're going to feed fish, limit, you know, fish to maybe once a week. I, I avoid it altogether. Um, so I should I take, should be out fishing then. I should not be out fishing, yeah. giving it to the cat. No, definitely not. I think All we're right. going to go on break now, and when we come back, I want to talk about um, I want to talk about a really important thing, and that's byproducts. But we're going to jump out for a break, and we will be right back. Thanks for listening. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? 
on our website, cattalkradio.com. You'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat. Toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Cat Talk Radio with Molly DeVos. To reach the show, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or you may send an email to molly at cattalkradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. Now, back to the show. Hello, folks, and welcome back to Cat Talk Radio. We are here with Molly DeVos, the cat whispering beautiful lady, and uh, we're talking about cat nutrition today. And so just before we went on to the break, we were talking about ingredients within the foods uh, of cats, uh, for cats, and we're talking about what not, what's, what's bad in the, in the ingredient side. What don't we want as ingredients, Molly, in our foods? So I mentioned liver and fish. Beef can be another food allergen for some cats, but most cats do just fine with it. You know, I would, I would try that in small doses and see how your cat does. Um, and, and now I want to talk about a really controversial subject. So muscle meat versus byproducts. So byproducts are actually normal parts of a carnivore's diet, and they do consist of some very nutritious nutritionist, nutritious, <laughs> nutritionist, organ meats, like, like well, liver and small doses. Right, nutritionist. <laughs> like, like liver, the spleen, kidneys. But on the other hand, byproducts can also include feet, feathers, which are very low biological value to the cat. And the problem is that it's impossible for you to know and, and to determine the quality of byproducts contained in any food, and the quality can vary with each company and even each batch of food. But they do contain organs that have been deemed unfit for human consumption, and that's really what byproducts are. They're like the beaks and the feet and all the things that they don't sell in the store when you go shopping, at least not in normal stores. Um, they, they also include organs that may show sign of disease, such as cancer or infection, and they're rerouted from the human meat market to the pet food market. Um, but um, byproducts, you know, a positive thing about them is they're not hypoallergenic. If they're coming from an animal the cat isn't allergic to, they don't have a carb load, um, and they do have proteins of animal origin and not plant origin. So again, they're better than dry food. So it's better to have byproducts in your ingredient list than potentially hypoallergenic, high-carb grains like corn, wheat, you know, rice, or soy. 
And, and note that soy is also a thyroid disruptor and has absolutely no logical place in, in cat food. So soy is not a good ingredient. And I know, you know, that, that again, we're talking about cost here. You know, you can get cheap cans of cat food with lots of byproducts in it. But if it says byproducts in the ingredient, personally, I, I don't buy it. I mean, it can be as bad as euthanized, you know, horse carcasses. And that phenobarbital that's used to euthanize those animals is in the pet food. And I just don't go there. I don't, I don't like to take that risk. And, and yeah, it's more expensive than, than feeding dry food. But, you know, this is an opportunity. Uh, well, let me just give a shout out to Brian Edwards. This is a great opportunity to say hey to Brian Edwards because he has a company called Brian Edwards Wealth Management. And I've actually invested in several products with him that have great guaranteed lifetime income. So, you know, I, I don't have to worry about how I'm going to feed, afford to feed my cats quality food because, you know, in addition to my low salary, I've got products with Brian that are helping me to, to reach the gap. So I would strongly suggest you reach out to Brian. He's got stuff that works for all levels, and he's at brianedwardswealthmanagement.com, and just tell him you need to be able to afford to buy better canned food. That's good. That's, that's a good comment. I think I'll call him and tell him that. I need to afford to buy better food. That's uh, good. But the the ingredients you were talking about is bad, and it didn't sound very pleasant at all, and it's hard to imagine that all those things wind up into into a can, and they they make it all look so nice and pretty on the shelf, and you open it up, and you can't tell any of that stuff is in there. So, uh, you know, it makes you start thinking about all the bad things that are in there. But what about the good things? What are some of the good things that need to be in canned cat food? Some good ingredients. Um, include, of course, meat protein that we've, we've talked a lot about, um, egg yolk, not egg whites, um, yogurt, cottage cheese is good, sweet potatoes. I know you love sweet potatoes. Maybe you and tobacco yes, can I have do. sweet potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> Pumpkin is good. It's, you know, it's good in, particularly for digestive reasons in cats. Omega fatty acids and seed oils, actually. Uh, seed, seed oils are very good. You were talking earlier that cats really don't survive on plant-based foods, and uh, I sometimes see that. You know, we, when you talk about sweet potatoes and you talk about other things, I'll see like mama's, grandma's pie or uh, something on the shelf that looks like it indicates. Uh, uh, does that does that really have plant-based stuff in it, or is that promotional? Um, it, you know, when they name these things like Grammy's pot pie that I buy in the Merrick food brand a lot, I mean, that's really marketing towards people. You know, you think about Grammy's pot pie and it makes me want to eat it. But again, it may have peas and things in there that the cats just don't need that helps them boost their protein content because you know, it's like vegetarians. People say, well, you can't get enough protein from a vegetarian diet. Well, you absolutely can because a, a lot of vegetables contain, you know, high degrees of protein. So 
I wouldn't pay too much attention to what the product is named. You got to turn it around and read the ingredient level, which often means you need to carry one of those small lighted magnifying glasses with you to the pet food store because you know it's in like three-point typeface. Boy, isn't that the truth. I have the hardest time reading some of that stuff on the back. And when you send me to the store to start reading through that stuff, I surely need that my, that that uh, the big um, microscope or whatever to, to be able to use to use to see that. Okay, so let's I can move just on see to you going to the else. store with your microscope, your magnifying That's glass. That's what I feel like I need. Mine. <laughs> I don't think I can see it with that. I think I need the microscope to look in the can and find all these things that you're in. You're saying. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. <laughs> that that looks like a pea. Oh my God, it's a pea! Don't eat that one. <laughs> yeah, I think I see a little bit of bone in there. We're not taking that one either. <laughs> no bone is so, bone is okay. <laughs> So, you know, speaking of microscope, that's exactly what we're talking about here. The ingredients and the the things that you're feeding your cat that could harm it in some way that we just don't really see. And you probably couldn't see without a microscope. And and what we're we're feeding our cats is so important. Uh, The cat nutrition for longer life, longer healthy, um, just being healthy, period. But let's talk about cooking for your cats. What about cooking... Uh, for your cat. Now, I've seen people do that, and we've done that actually a few times. Can you do a home cook recipe for your cat? Yeah, you can, and you can do it in two ways. You can you can do a raw feeding, or you can do a partially cooked. And what we typically do at home is is the partially cooked, and that is because of the potential quality of, of meat that we're getting. And so, uh, I'll give you an example. So it's really simple. Get a pen and paper and and write this down. You buy three pounds of poultry thighs. Oh, and the other thing is we'll post a link if the Internet's up and and you can see it. But in case you're not following along on Facebook, write this down. Three pounds of poultry thigh meat. You can get it boned or or deboned, whatever you want. Off the bone is easier, but you do want skin on. It's really hard to find skin on, deboned. So we usually buy bone in and then remove it from the bone. So three pounds of that, three ounces of chicken liver, seven teaspoons of bone meal, which you'll find in the nutritional health food um, vitamin section, a cup of water, two raw egg yolks, not the whites, just the yolks, about five to 10,000 milligrams of fish oil, not cod liver oil, and those are just like the little uh, the little capsules we all take in fish oil, and you just poke it with a pin and squeeze it in or dissolve it in the water. You need 2,000 milligrams of taurine, and this is very important, and it comes powdered, and you can get it either in capsules or, or loose. 400 IU of vitamin E, um, and you can get powdered capsules. That's the easiest to use. Um, you want to use the D-tosuferol, which is natural, uh, in the natural form, not the D-L-tosuferol, which is a synthetic form of vitamin E. The D form is better absorbed and utilized than the D-L form. So look for the D versus the D-L. One capsule of vitamin B complex, 50, grounded up with like a mortar and a pestle. One teaspoon of Morton Light 
salt with iodine. So the thyroid gland of a cat's natural prey is a good source of iodine, but um, but if you're using chicken or turkey thighs, obviously there's no thyroid gland in there. So you need to add the iodized light salt as a source of the iodine. And we use light instead of regular table salt because it's a mixture of sodium and potassium versus table salt, which is just all sodium. So you want to remove about 50% of the skin, unless your cat's obese, then you want to remove 80%. And, you know, for us, if I'm, if I'm cooking, you know, eight of these poultry thighs, I just remove the skin from four of them rather than trying to remove half of the skin from every of them. And then you bake those chicken thighs at 350 degrees for about 15 minutes, and that will leave it at least 50% raw. And you want to cook the liver for about 20 minutes, and, and about halfway through you want to stir it and break it up so that you make sure that you're getting it cooked evenly throughout. And you cook that liver more than the thighs because bacteria... Doesn't reside, bacteria doesn't reside in the depths of the thigh meat. It lives on the surface, but in the liver, it's got a much higher chance of having bacterial contamination throughout. So you want to cook that liver much more thoroughly than the thigh meat. Then when you take it out, you cut that meat into half-inch chunks or less. And, and again, this is where your cats get dental health. You know, raw meat is much more tenacious and better for the teeth than cooked meat because they have to chew it. So they really are getting, um, you know, they're, they're chewing through all those tendons and they're, they're getting their teeth cleaned with that. So don't try to grind it up too small for them. It's okay to let them chew on that. And then you take all the fat drippings from your meat baking, mix that with your egg yolks and stir it, and then make a slurry out of the rest of the ingredients with your water and all of that. Stir it with a whisk and then pour it into the the meat mixture. Mix everything really well. And then you can portion it into containers and freeze it. We have these little tiny Tupperware things. Um, And then, of course, you know, don't fill your containers to the top because it does expand when it freezes. So only fill it about three-quarters of the way full. Um, you can use ice cube containers. That works really well for little single-size portions. They just can just pop them out and then store them in a Ziploc bag. It's, it's great. Um, so that makes a good homemade diet, uh, what I call a partially cooked diet. Now, you can also replace all this that I just told you about in terms of fish oil and taurine and vitamin E and vitamin B and the, and the Morton Light Salt with a product called Alnutrin. And we're going to post a link to Alnutrin because they've made it easy for you. They, they've mixed all that stuff up and you just use, you know, four or five scoops of that in your recipe and, and you're good to go. But it's not one of those, if a little is good, more is better. You want to absolutely follow the directions there, which I believe is uh, three scoops to three pounds. But it's on it's on the bag. And then... When I'm not partially cooking, I order, you know, whole ground carcasses from a reliable source. I like Hair Today. It's a it's a farm out on the in the northeast, and I order whole ground rabbit, which is really great uh, for cats. And I also order whole ground chicken. And then you don't have to do all this partial cooking, chopping stuff. It's already ground. It's ready to go. You just 
mix the alnutrin with it, you know, freeze it up, and, and you're good to go. So there you go. You can make home-cooked meals for cats. Yes, and that is quite a process, and I recommend that you do uh, quite a bit of it, uh, depending on how many cats that you have. That may take a little time to go through all that process, but it sure looks good for the cats, and they seem to like it real well. Uh, I've helped Molly with that recipe, and I know for a fact that it can take a little bit of time, and uh, it would it has a great benefit at the end of it. Okay, Molly, great recipe, great ideas. You know, let's talk about feeding the cats. I know that Tabasco, our cat, uh, you seem to be feeding cat all the time. Why not feed? Why not just free feed it all the time so that way we don't have to go through some of these things and go down the long road of recipes and go down the long road of, you know, trying to read ingredients, just buy a great big thing and free feed it. Well, obviously it's not safe to free feed raw food because it'll grow bacteria if it's just sitting out. So if you're free feeding, then you're feeding dry food. And we've talked about all the reasons you don't want to do that. But you're right. I do feed the cats all the time. I feed them four to five times a day. Um, feeding them once or twice a day is just not natural. It's not, it's not in sync with their, their, their schedule, just their programmed schedule and their DNA. Um, you know, and free feeding, especially those high carb foods, it, it leads to hyperactivity and obesity and once a day feedings contribute to aggression and stress and anxiousness and irritability. I mean, gosh, you know how our cats are when we don't feed them but a couple times a day, and that's because their blood glucose drops in between meals. So I always suggest feeding them four to five times a day, about five hours apart. You want to feed the first time 20 minutes after you get up. It's real important you don't feed right when you get up because then the cats will get into a habit of trying to wake you up because they know as soon as you get up, you feed me. But if you get up and you do about 20 minutes of going to the bathroom, brushing your teeth, that kind of stuff, and then you feed them, that's good. And then feed them about five hours later, which is usually 1.32 in the afternoon, and then feed them when you get home from work, you know, six, six or so, and then feed them right before you go to bed. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat. Toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. 
Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Cat Talk Radio with Molly DeVos. To reach the show, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or you may send an email to molly at cattalkradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, cat fans. Uh, We are here talking with Molly DeVos. And she has been t- teaching us some really good things about cat food and cat nutrition. And uh, I've had to take some personal notes myself because I am in training as we go through these shows. A lot of times I am not aware of some of the things that she's going to be talking about. And today she has really di- dove in to t- talk about some really good nutritional things. So we were talking just before we went on the break. Uh, why not to free feed? And she had gone through several things about why you wouldn't want to just free feed your cat. But I want to tell a story about our cat named Tabasco. And he had, in the middle of the night, he would wake us up at 3 a.m. It was like clockwork. We did not need a, if that were the time we needed to get up, he would definitely get us up at 3 a.m. every morning. Uh, at three, at three a.m. is just not a time you want to be woken up with yowling from your pet. And most of the time, it wants to teach us how to get up and feed it. And uh, we ultimately tried not to do that, not to do that, not to do that. And Molly came up with some really good ideas. So, uh, Molly, talk a little bit about what you did to help solve the issue of the three a.m. yowling. Yeah, the cat wake-up call. I don't know what it is about 3 a.m. witching hour, but um, it seems to be common in a lot of cats, that 3 a.m. thing. And uh, so as with all cat behaviors that you don't want, the first thing you do is ignore the behavior. Well, it's really hard to ignore a cat walking on your head at 3 a.m. And to, to make it worse, he not only yowls, but if you don't get up when he yowls, then he would scratch the side of the bed, and if that didn't yes. work, then he gets on the bed and he rips my hair out. He actually grabs a mouthful of hair and shakes it like a dog and, and pulls it out. Mm, and that's terrible. I think, 
I think I have some bald spots. That, that's what's contributed to my receding hairline <laughs> as a cat. So, you know, it's, it's difficult to ignore behaviors like that. And uh, so that wasn't enough. Um, and sleeping with a pillow over my head wasn't enough. And trust me, I've, I've tried that too. So what I did was I, I shifted his feeding schedule so that, well, I, I did something before that. So let me start with 30 minutes before we go to sleep. I have a pray play session with him. So I get out the wand toy and I get him crazy with that and we run him around for about 10 minutes. And then right before we go to bed, I feed him. So I used to feed him kind of around our dinner time, you know, seven, eight-ish at night or so. And and then I moved that. So that last feeding is like right before we go to bed because that triggers the eat, groom, sleep thing. But that wasn't enough by itself. He would still get us up at three. And so the way this worked was he would do his little shenanigans and I would realize I'd wake up and I'd realize I have to pee because it's three and usually I have to pee by then. And so I would get up and go pee and then I'd think, well, I'm going to just go ahead and give him a couple treats so he'll quit bugging us. Well, all I was doing was reinforcing bad behavior. So I got a food timer, real simple food timer, and set it to go off at 3 a.m. in the morning, and and it pops open. I put his treats in there that I would have normally um, gotten up and fed him, and that just kind of bridges him until we get up in the morning because that eight-hour span between the time you go to bed and the time you get up is a lot to ask of a cat. It's it's a too long of a period of time for them to go without eating. You know, in the wild, they'll eat nine to ten small meals a day, and that's a lot. And I, I'm not suggesting you feed them nine to ten times a day, but three absolute minimum, four or five is ideal. Um, so, and, and food timer sometimes in the middle of the night, if you have changed your feeding to four or five times a day and that they're still having middle of the night issues, try try a food timer. And you can email me and I'll send you a link to the one that I use. It's it's pretty inexpensive and, and very good. So, and I'm, I have to tell you, the 3 a.m. situation stopped immediately after we got the food timer. As soon as he heard that thing open up and then it became that he would hear it and he wouldn't wake us up again. That was one of the most amazing things, and I've talked about it before on this show, one of the most amazing transformations of the behavior that I've seen that that worked so instantly uh, because nobody likes to get woke up every night at 3 a.m., and that was uh, great. And I thank you for that, Molly DeVos. So, <laughs> right? Now we're getting a full night's sleep. <laughs> yeah, it feels so much better. And the cat's happy. So he goes to eat, and he comes in, and he lays back down with us, and everything's all good. So let's talk about, um, what about prescription diets? Surely those are good for them, right? So when the, when they get a prescription from the doctor, and you go run out, and you grab that prescription food, and you start feeding it to your cat, you've got to feel like, okay, the doctor gave me the prescription, so it's got to be good. Well, yeah. Sorry, vet friends, but just because it's a prescription diet, it's certainly that by itself is not, does not indicate that it's high-quality food. You know, many of these extremely expensive prescription products contain corn, wheat, and soy, 
And all of those things have no logical place in your cat's diet. Um, as we've talked about, they're high in carbohydrates. And, of course, all the dry versions of, of prescription food are water depleted. And it's amazing how many of those prescription diets only come in dry food. They don't even offer them in canned food. And a lot of them contain the byproducts, as we talked about, as the main and sometimes only source of protein. You know, for instance, let's look at the ingredient list for Hill's Dry ID. Now, we'll feed ID a lot of times if cats lose their appetite. Now, keep in mind, when I read through this list, that cats are obligate carnivores. So it starts off with chicken byproduct meal, which is a cooked down byproduct, brewer's rice, corn gluten meal, whole grain corn, pork fat, which is preserved with mixed tosserferols and citric acid, powdered cellulose, dried chicken, chicken liver flavor. So, you know, similar to many commercial dry foods, uh, all those ingredients are. And this is a good example of the ingredient splitting rule. This rule allows the grain fractions to be broken up into smaller components, which places them lower on the ingredient list because, you know, the ingredients have to be listed in order of total content in the food um, since the ingredients aren't listed by weight. But if you have all the grain fractions added up, their contribution, contribution to the diet, including the protein content, is often greatly outweighs that first ingredient. So even if it says chicken byproduct meal, that may not mean that the chicken byproduct meal is actually the biggest content because if you take all the grains and put them together, it's going to outweigh that. So if it's a prescription diet, it doesn't necessarily mean it's right for your cat. You know, again, feed good quality canned food. I even add hot water to the canned food that I feed. Better yet, feed raw if you can afford to do that. Um, And handling that and preparing that is, you have to pay close attention to that. Um, You know, and something else I want to talk about too is food foraging. It's very important to mimic what your cats do in the wild. And, you know, in the wild, mice just don't get you know, handed the little trap door opens and a mouse comes out on a silver platter, they've got to hunt for it and they've got to chase it and grab it and kill it and and eat it. We've taken away that from them and that's important enrichment. It's important to stimulate them mentally. It's important for them physically. So we've got to try to replicate that as best as possible. And you do that with food puzzles. Um, Actually, I have the funniest thing in the world. I, I had a mouse, a pet mouse, about you know twenty years ago, and um, and I had a a ball, you know those those clear plastic balls that you put the mice in, and then they run around in the house. Well, I'd put the mouse in that ball, and I'd let him run around with the cat. And my cat at the time was Enzo, beautiful Russian blue, and uh, and Enzo just thought that that was the best food 
foraging, of course, never caught, but <laughs> food foraging uh, enrichment for him ever. It, it, it was awesome. I didn't look like the mouse was stressed out because the mouse would actually sometimes chase him and look for him and, and run the ball towards him. It was fun. We might need to think about getting a mouse, honey. <laughs> but we need a so we also need a barn to go with all the animals that we keep trying to collect and we need a ranch to take care of the rest but not now today. you're talking now you're talking <laughs> but, but not today if you don't have a mouse then get a food puzzle, and that's basically just a, a plastic device. We sell several of them on our website that you put the, you know, the treats in. Um, it's, they're mostly geared towards dry food, but for wet food, the way you do it with your canned food is you get a platter, and then you get a coffee mug, and you put the wet food inside the coffee mug and set it on its side, and then the cat has to reach in and scoop it out to eat it, that, that creates that foraging experience for them with wet food. They also make little things you can put wet food in containers, you know, that they can, they have to actually scoop to get out. So um, those are very, very important component also. Speaking of containers, um, that's a good conversation to have because we've talked about all of this food and and uh, what what you do uh, to watch for the ingredients, what's good, what's bad, and you know where we should where we should be looking to to pr- try to improve the uh, cat nutrition. Uh, let's talk about you know we have these little flat bowls which uh, you sell on your website, uh, which are really cool looking, I I think. Um, but you know they. Uh, why should we use the flat bowls over just regular bowls? Because I know that people go to the store and the pet store and they've got these deep bowls, but you tend to use the flatter bowls and food seems to get everywhere. Why should we use these bowls over the deeper bowls? Well, because whisker fatigue is a real thing. I know it sounds funny, but cats have ultra-sensitive nerve endings at the base of their whiskers. And if they're always having to shove their nose into a deep bowl, their whiskers are touching the edges, and it irritates the crap out of them. So we feed in a flat bowl so that their whiskers aren't touching anything while they eat. And, yeah, if you're making real wet food like we do and you don't um, walk you know, really carefully, it can spill out onto the sides, which I've, I've done a thousand times. But, you know, we've, we've got only like a minute left on the show today, and I don't feel like we've scratched the surface on nutrition, so we're probably going to have to do another show. But right before we leave, I just want to say if you're, if you're in the Dallas area, I want to invite you to a cat show, yes, a cat show called Kittens, Cats, and Cowboy Hats, it's April 13th and 14th at the Mesquite Convention Center, and uh, it's going to be lots of fun. I'll be there both days and uh, would love to see you. So um, stop by and see us at the Cat Show and wear your cowboy hat. Thanks, everybody, and we will Yeehaw. see you next time. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program next Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Now, go make a connection with your feline friend. 